0: all right we have an interesting episode of side retired the lb podcast coming at you guys today it is friday the 13th so of course we were talking about the crazy carlos correa saga he signed with three teams this offseason and the results are that he's going back to the minnesota twins so let's hit the intro music and we will dive right into this Hello and welcome to this edition of Side Retired, the MLB podcast. It is Dylan joined alongside Matt. We figured with our Carlos Correa episode had to get our Mets club ambassador, Matt, on with us to talk about the sorrows, potential things that we've avoided by not signing Carlos Correa. It's definitely a weird bundle of mixed emotions,
1: but Matt will come to you and say, how you feeling? Well, I'm pretty good. You know, I have, like you said, mixed emotions about what's going on with Correa, but aside from... From baseball news i'm I'm ready to get into baseball season you know we're in 2023 getting closer and closer to uh february 15th pitchers and catchers and then looking forward to uh hopefully a good season in queens
0: and of course we have lots of different coverage coming up for this year as matt mentioned not just on the major league level but a couple of college coaches will be joining us in the next upcoming weeks as well as if you haven't checked out our most recent episode it was with the staten island Ferry hawks manager and former new york yankee world champion homer bush so definitely check out all of those things but the first thing i do want to mention as we just said carlos correa is officially a Minnesota twin there was that three week flirtation period where he was in new york met after the deal with the san francisco giants fell apart your thoughts on the whole carlos correa situation
1: from a, <clears throat> from a mets perspective i think it's kind of a, a, a nothing right you you would have paid money for um, maybe in terms of his health with the ankle. But at the same time, while he was healthy, um, you know, seeing him and Lindor on the same side of the infield, I think would have been a lot of fun. Um, What one thing that I think this shows is that Steve Cohen has this blank checkbook and he's willing to spend all this money, but he's not willing to throw away money, if that makes sense. So he was not willing, I guess, to overpay for something that he knew um, could have been an issue. I know a lot of people are scrutinizing him because he was in Hawaii and, and dealing with all of this contract um, from kind of a distance. And people were saying, Oh, he's drinking on the beach and and negotiating the Korea trade. Well, first of all, he's not negotiating the trade. Um, And second of all, I think this is a really good, I guess, like legitimizing point for him. Legitimization. I don't, I don't know what the right word is there, but for him um, as an owner that he's going to kind of do the right thing and not just be frivolous with his spending.
0: I think what we do have to realize is when the signing first happened on the Mets part after the Giants deal fell apart, it was interesting because everyone said, oh my God, he's a Met, Steve Cohen strikes, it's two in the morning. Everyone probably woke up to the news because I doubt anyone was up at the time that the deal actually happened except for John Heyman, who got that quote from Steve Cohen saying this was the missing piece and now that we've got him, we're a championship caliber team and we'll get to that in a moment. But sort of with the whole Mets lineup construction as the team is right now, It's the same team as last year. Yes, you re-signed Brandon Nimmo. Well, just looking at offense, because it's hard to compare Jacob deGrom's seven innings to a Justin Verlander. But the lineup, people said at the end of last year, and you can probably echo this thought because you definitely had it, the Mets lineup wasn't good enough. And you needed that new bat in the middle of the order, whether it was a third baseman, a left fielder, a DH. And you can say a full year of Brett Beatty, a full year of Francisco Alvarez. That's going to help but none of those guys are proven commodities. Carlos Correa, who if you'll check out later this week when we do the top 10 shortstops episode, he's going to be on there despite the health issues, and he's going to be relatively high, probably top five universally. The Mets don't have that now. Our big season acquisitions bat-wise are re-signing Brandon Nimmo and re-signing Daniel Vogelbach, which isn't that exciting, your thoughts on that whole thing.
1: Well, I think think the big thing is the Nimmo re-signing, right? You... Like we had our Nemo-esque guy, I'd say, kind of like his his counterpart in my eyes, Conforto, that whole kind of relationship with the Mets fell apart. Um, so I think making sure that you solidified one of those guys who's who's an who's a Met, right? Um I think keeping him in Queens was huge. Vogelbach, uh, he's kind of like a whatever. I know the new, you know, pitchers not hitting DHs are are important, but um I think you're right. I think there's a there's a possibility that we're still missing a piece, but Alvarez is the guy who really excites me. Um Beatty excites me. And the, but then you have guys like McNeil, you have Alonzo, it can hit when he wants to. Um, you know, there there's pieces in the lineup who are maybe not Correa caliber. But I think that with our lineup this year, with an, another year of Pete Alonzo kind of, I guess this is the first year that I would say he's like an MLB. Like he, he's, he's not a rookie. He's not a baby anymore. He's, he's Pete. Um, And so I think we're okay without a Correa type of type of player.
0: I think you did also mention, and we'll go to them, even though it feels like three weeks ago, because we were staying away from the Carlos Correa situation until it finally got resolved. But the San Francisco giant did pivot to Michael Conforto. Being their big offseason bat acquisition, Conforto obviously missed all of the 2022 season with shoulder surgery. They're now banking on a healthy Michael Conforto. But if you look at the NL West, the Dodgers are obviously, even though they haven't done that much this offseason, and there's the rumor that they're saving for Otani, the Dodgers are the Dodgers. They're going to win 100 games, and we know that that always happens. The Padres signed Xander Bogarts, and they're now going to be a really good team. Fernando Tatis Jr. also returning. Interesting to see how people rank him and all that fun stuff. And then I'd think the Giants are probably that third team in the division, which means they're going to be competing with the two losers of the NL East, whether that's the Mets and the Phillies. They're going to be competing with the Padres and then whatever comes out of the NL Central, probably for a wild card spot. Any thoughts on the Giants? Obviously, if you haven't checked out Joe Moore, our club ambassador, made a video about this a couple of weeks ago, but any thoughts
1: on your end about Michael Conforto, Carlos Correa, the Giants in general? Um, Conforto is, I think, a bigger question mark than people realize. Um, not playing a full year, I think is, you, you know, you just don't know what you're going to get. Um, it was injury related, so you also don't know how he's going to bounce back. Um, I, I think that calling him a, a big bat acquisition, maybe compared to what they did in the off season. Sure. But I would say that it's not, it, there's too many question marks around him, uh, for what he's going to do in San Francisco.
0: And then the third team, obviously, that's involved in this Carlos Correa situation is the Minnesota Twins. We will be having a Twins reporter, Nash Walker, who's joined us in the past. He will be joining us this Monday. That will either be released Monday afternoon or Tuesday morning. So he's going to get into the in-depth on Carlos Correa and the Twins. So if you're wondering why we haven't led with that, we're going to wait for the expert to give his opinion on that and help us out. But it does... Go on to say, and the one thing I will talk about for now with Carlos Correa and the Twins is that he didn't get the monster mega long-term deal. The Twins only guaranteed him six years at $200 million. The Mets apparently, when they found out that was the Twins' offer, the Mets went to six years, 157, which is definitely $40 million less and probably not as enticing as much as he'd want to play next to uh, to Francisco Lindor the rest of his career, $40 million talks. The Mets deal included ways that if he passed his physical every single year, and reached a certain number of plate appearances, he would have gotten all 12 years and all $315 million, which then begs the question, does Carlos Gray really know that something's up with his ankle, or is it just a matter of, I'm going to get the most guaranteed money in the next six years, and I'll worry about where I am after I've collected a $200 million paycheck where I'm set and my kids are set for life. The Twins, however, did also include a clause where if he hits, like, I think, 500 at-bats in that sixth season. The last four years are guaranteed, and he does get an extra. I think it's 80 million, 100 million dollars. So we'll get into the details with Nash on all of that. But your thoughts on now that the Carlos Correa saga is over, what's next in the offseason? We did just see the news that Andrew McCutcheon is going back to Pittsburgh. Most of the free agents are gone. Maybe Brian Reynolds, the big free agent or the big trade acquisition to go. But it's January 13th. Pitchers and catchers report, as you say, in a month on February 15th. We still have. Thirty technically thirty two days of GMs and presidents of baseball operations sitting around, and they're obviously not just going to sit on their hands and do nothing. So, what should slash can we expect? Whether it's Billy Epler, whether it's the Giants GM Farhan Zaidi, whether it's the Twins GM Derek Falvey, who now has to deal with Carlos Correa on his team. Anything you want to expect in the next month?
1: Well, I think that's I think you hit the nail on the head. I think GMs are going to get restless with no news in thirty three days, so people are going to start poking their heads around you know, who's left in the free agent market, who's, you know, who can we trade for? Um, I guess I don't really have a, a name in mind. Um, one thing I do think is that in order to, I think, strictly for just like the way that that the that the Mets organization is going to want the fans to perceive what's going on is there's going to be another acquisition somewhere, somehow for the Mets. Um, whether that's through a trade or whether that's through, um, you know, who knows, but I think, I think the Mets still have a little bit left in the tank. Um, just because like Carlos Correa was a big letdown. Um, and we still, you know, you can always use more pitching, can always use more arms. Um, and like, I don't think we're going to have any blockbuster deals until probably during the season. I know we had like our three hour long episode at the deadline last year. I'm looking forward to that again this year. Um, but I, I don't, I don't think anything big happens, but I do think the Mets make some sort of move um, before pitchers and catchers report.
0: I think the order matters and that you have to take a step back, especially with the Mets and the Giants as well. In that these two teams did acquire a lot of players with the Mets, obviously Justin Verlander, Kodai Senga, re-signing Edwin Diaz, which doesn't even feel like that was an offseason acquisition, but yeah, the offseason opened and Edwin Diaz was technically a free agent for maybe 45 minutes. The Mets made a ton of moves and with the Giants, they signed Michael Conforto. They bolstered their pitching staff. They added a couple of bats. They got rid of Tommy LaStella. These two teams did a lot this offseason to improve and get better. There's just this sour taste in your mouth about we could have had Carlos Correa. The Mets payroll, you think it was about to be $500 million and now it's only around 420 And I say only in quotes, but that shows you They were willing to spend that additional $60 million because Cohen's at the point where it's 90% is taxed. So Correa's $30 million would have been in actuality around 56 per season if you calculated all that together. But that shows both of the Giants and the Mets have had great off-seasons. But there is that little bit of, "Mm, we really wanted that last thing. And for example, if Justin Verlander was still out there and the Mets now signed him after the Carlos Correa, I think everyone would say great off-season, Mets pivoted. But the problem is that all of that great stuff happened first, and now you're left with the what could have, should have potentially been. Um, if you're a Twins fan, you're excited because you now have your franchise star. Byron Buxton is that homegrown guy, but he's always been injured. Carlos Correa was that hired mercenary gun last year that everyone thought there's no chance he's the long-term answer because he's opt-out after year one. He's just using the Twins to rebound his market, but the Minnesota Twins have stepped up, and this is great for baseball, a small market team saying we're going to spend the money. We're going to bring in a superstar. Another thing that could be great for baseball before we quickly wrap up, we just want to say this, that the AAA teams are now going to be using robot umpires. That is official. They're going to be automated strikes in AAA, which means presumably it's coming to MLB soon. Matt, your thoughts on getting rid of the human element of umpires and it seems like robots are on the way.
1: I don't like it at all. Oh. Um, Like, come on, seeing seeing Aaron Boone telling an umpire to make an adjustment, Terry Collins running out of the dugout, just like screaming at people, um, back in the day. Um, I, I'm not a fan. I think that as like, as a former pitcher, knowing, knowing how to throw to an umpire's tendencies is part of pitching. Um, and I think it like when, so like, especially for from a catching standpoint as well, it kind of takes away, the importance of framing, the importance of catchers really defensively, um, which I, I don't like. Um, it it takes away, I think, a lot of sort of the art of baseball, um, for at least from a pitching and, and catching standpoint. Um, so I'm not a fan. Are they do, do you know if they're doing it for like safe and out calls at first and things like that, too? Or is it just balls and strikes? I
0: have not seen that so far. I've just seen the uh, balls and strikes.
1: So like safe and out calls I'm, I'm all for, um, mm-hmm. but I think that's a lot harder. Like I, I'm not a, I don't know how, I don't know how software and, and things like that work, but the, the balls and strikes thing I'm very against, I think it'll be sometime before it gets into the MLB, but I think um, we're getting close. I'd say probably in the next five years, unfortunately um, it's it, 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 I think everyone's the, the, uh, the game.
0: I think there's this way that it does work. in AAA, and it hasn't like officially been finalized how it's going to work. Fuster only just reported yesterday, I believe, that it is coming and there will be automated strikes and balls in AAA. How they did it in single A, and I believe the Arizona Fall League, which is an interesting way, and I don't believe this is how AAA is utilizing it, is that it's a player challenge and a team gets three per game. So the umpire is still behind the plate calling balls and strikes as normal. However, the player would have to immediately after the pitch I think it's in there's that video of Jason Dominguez, he like taps his head and he says like challenge that. And then all of a sudden it's on the scoreboard, the strike zone, the pitch is coming in and it's like he was right. And all of a sudden the crowd is like, oh, and all that sort of stuff, which could be cool because there is strategy in that, that you're only allowed three per game. And eventually if if like there's one snotty player that's going to keep challenging everything and he gets it wrong, it'll be hysterical when a manager has to like go up to his player and say, hey stop challenging because it's not three per player it's three per team for the entire game and i think it's similar to how replay and how challenges in hockey work and that if you get it correct then obviously you get to retain your challenge but it's sort of like a three strikes and you're out if the team miscalls calls 300 pitches you're done so there is strategy in that if you challenge calls in the second inning i don't think you should because then when you look in the ninth inning you could be out of three challenges and there's a horrific angel hernandez call and you can't challenge it because you've used all three challenges. There is strategy in that, but it is also a, a tricky route to go down because some calls are going to be right. Some calls are going to be wrong. And any thoughts on that system? Yeah,
1: well, I mean, that that just, I think that detracts from the game. Like, let's play baseball. Let's not, let's uh-huh. not, let's not start trying to, you know, outsmart a, uh, a robot or whatever. I, I don't, I don't <laughs> like that. I, I, I like that less that you can challenge it. If it was just straight up, there's a, there's a camera calling balls and strikes. I think I'd like that better because now you're, you're, you're not playing baseball and then you know how there's going to be all these analytics and all of these guys are going to be running numbers about, Oh, how do we, you know, how do we make sure that we optimize our challenges and like, let, 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 let's get back to baseball, throw, throw, throw little round thing, hit little round thing, run around the bases.
0: Well, you know, it will be interesting and I'm pretty sure we will definitely try to check out a minor league baseball game or two to see how this system eventually does work. And you know, one simple way you can go to a ballpark this potential upcoming season is if you go to seatgeek.com, use the promo code SIDERETIREDPOD in all capitals, you will get $20 off your first order if you use that promo code at SIDERETIREDPOD in all capitals. Definitely a great way to go to the minor leagues because minor league ballparks are very cheap to go to in general. So, twenty dollars off an order of forty dollars or more and you will have a pretty cheap and fun day at the ballpark so matt until the next time i think we're all good obviously we'll have that twins episode for you guys coming out in the next couple of days as well as a couple of great other interviews so until then the side is retired